Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Bernoy, and we have been asked to kind of talk about when there's drama that's going on either in your graduate program or in your agency. You might hear that your school might be losing accreditation. So we wanted to dive in on this and to be able to kind of have a little bit different spin than our Toxic Work Environments episode. But this is just kind of something where inevitably there's going to be drama at work at some point, And what do you do with it? Yes, work drama. It can be really overwhelming when you've not necessarily had a lot of jobs or if you've not had jobs with therapists before. Because I find that therapists have more, at least they're often expressing their feelings more. There's more processing that goes on. So drama can actually, I think, be a little big in workplaces. Katie's calling you all drama queens. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm just saying that we're more we're more likely to face it and have processing and emotion versus the people that blow up and get really angry or that kind of stuff. It's it's interesting listening to people talk about other work environments where, you know, people will yell and scream, but there's not that processing and the emotion that that happens in therapist workplaces. So, just a different type of drama. So, I think to break down today's episode in a couple of different directions, we're first going to hit on maybe issues that come up during your graduate program. And a little bit later in the episode, we'll talk about when there's things that come up at your agency or your work environment. So first things first, we are aware that from time to time, programs lose accreditations. They eventually end up closing down. If you're in one of these environments where your school is literally closing, you do have some options. And usually what that's going to boil down to is teach out, which is essentially when a program is allowed to either finish teaching out the students who are already enrolled, which means that they get a year or two years or whatever it might be to complete the courses. So that way, anybody who started there can go on and graduate. Sometimes a teach out plan means referring out students to other universities. And that means that There's a whole process that goes along with getting your credits accepted by another school. And depending on the accreditation of both schools, not all of your credits might transfer. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) So you might end up in a situation where you are starting over on your program. And, you know, Sally May is not somebody who's going to forgive any debts that you've taken out on that first program in the first place. So yeah. If you're finding yourself in one of the schools like this that's got kind of this process going on, 
you probably are going to want some answers from the administration on what that means for you as a student. And I think that depending on the nature of the politics of what's going on with the administration, they're either going to be very forthcoming about it if they're really looking out for students, or they're going to be hiding behind every wall that they can to avoid having these conversations. Yeah. And I think that's something where some of these things are completely unavoidable. I think certainly you want to do as much due diligence up front when you're choosing a university to go to get your your degree. But I think assuming that you've done that and it's out of the blue that this happens, I think it's really important to sort through how do you get the information? And if the administration's not giving it to you, how can you sort through what options you have, like what information you have? Because I think the decision-making is the hardest part. Oftentimes, I think people in these situations will get kind of frozen. What am I going to do? I'm stuck. I can't do anything. And I think it's so important to take a deep breath and identify, how do I get what I need? What is going to be the best path for me? And I think sometimes that could be of your own volition, getting to another university and you know another program so that you can get the education that you need and kind of bite the bullet because sometimes waiting means more tuition paid to the school that's closing or those kinds of things. And so I think it's really trying to think creatively and strategically about how do I take care of myself and really focusing on yourself and how it impacts you versus all of this stuff about supporting your peers. Do that, support your peers, but make sure you're taken care of. And sometimes if you're not able to get that information directly from the school itself, the accrediting body might be able to provide you with some information. And oftentimes when accreditation issues come into question, the accrediting body requires the school to place on their website some sort of notice or memorandum about the accreditation status and important dates that you might need to be able to plan around. So don't necessarily rely on getting information from brick walls if that's the <laughs> if that's what your option seemingly is and especially you know it might even be a digital wall if you're going to an online program where you don't necessarily have the personal relationships with some of the administration that you might have in a brick and mortar school so really doing your due diligence means researching and looking even maybe beyond what the school is providing for you and that really might come from the accrediting body Well, I think making sure that you recognize that their goals and what they, their motivations may not align with yours. And I think that can be the same in a lot of these situations, but if their goal is to protect themselves, to make as much money off of you before they have to transfer you somewhere else, they may not give you the best options. Now, hopefully they will, but if they don't, you want to make sure that you're looking out for your own best interests. And if you're going to a school that it's closing, isn't accredited, it may be in your best interest to get a degree from another school. And so I think it's important that you kind of look at your options. Obviously, each person's financial and time situation is going to be different. But I think really looking out for your own best interests, which is getting getting your degree, getting the education you need, and making sure that that's going to stand up when you go into the job search. So shifting gears here a little bit, if and this can apply either to a a workplace environment or this can apply to schools as well, but the therapy world is not immune to the rumor mill. No, not at all. (laughs) And and so sometimes there's information that gets thrown out there that might be, it might be true, it might just be a rumor, and it might really affect the reputation of a program or of an agency. And 
this is something where, in general, if you can stay out of the the gossip and out of things, then do your best to do that. But sometimes this stuff really does affect the direction of a program or the direction of an agency. Give me an example. The situation around Bessel van der Kolk and some of the people under his position in the agency. So this is a nationwide rumor mill, and we're trying not to contribute to the rumors and forcing that on, but this is known nationwide of what happened there. How do you work in an environment like that? Or what kinds of decisions do you get made? Because you have agency experience that I don't in in working in these kinds Mm -hmm. of systems. There's a rumor that kind of puts shade on your agency, your university, the place you're working, the place you're going to school, whatever. I think the biggest piece is to assess how it impacts you personally. If it's something where it's clear this is, you know, kind of the news cycle or this is something that is pretty banal, something that's not going to impact you too much, I think kind of keeping your head down and doing the work, not sharing the rumors, not being a part of that, I think can be very helpful because the better the reputation of your school or your agency, the better your resume looks going forward. And so if it doesn't require a response, kind of don't respond is kind of the first. What if I love drama? What if I love (laughs) listening to Kurt and Katie say, advocate and stand up and change systems around you? I think you have to determine if this is the battle for that. Is this the the right space? Like if somebody is accused of sexual harassment or somebody's accused of bullying or somebody's accused of insurance fraud or whatever it is, if there's something where there's solid investigation going on and that kind of stuff, potentially you stand up and advocate and say, no, this is not true. Or, oh no, this is absolutely true. And this is something that I've been trying to bring forward to this, to the administration for so long. And I'm so glad that there's blah, 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 blah. Like you can stand up and and do that, but you have to decide, is this my battle? Because if it's not your battle, if you don't really care, if it's not really directly impacting your work, if it's not something that you feel morally driven by, you don't have to stand up for everything. And I think Choosing can be hard because a lot of things feel really important, but I think you have to decide what what your battles are because it takes emotional resources and energy. It takes time and your job, especially depending on where you are in your career, is to be a great clinician and to be a good employee or a good employer or a good business owner. And so putting these other things in when they could be a distraction does you a disservice. And for larger agencies and definitely for universities or grad programs, when there is accusations like this, HR or some sort of investigation is going to be completed and they're going to ask people who might be relevant to the investigation to step forward with their stories. And that's a really good place to advocate for that is, you know, there might be a point person or a you know, specific faculty person that you're supposed to report to in these situations if it's something that you're aware of or has involved you. So especially at larger places, this is going to be an option, but some people work in very small environments where the person destroying the reputation of the agency might also be the person that you would have to complain to. Ah, yeah, that's true. 
And in those situations, it really is something about being able to create an exit plan if it's something that doesn't really benefit you to continue to work for a place that's going to be a resume stain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think those are the things where there's, there's some different pieces about that. So you want to make sure that you're managing your own reputation. And so standing up for someone who is quote unquote falsely accused or standing up against somebody who is, has been, you know, awful as a monster, you know, that can impact your reputation. Working for that place, continuing to work for that place, being at that school, continuing to stay at that school, that can also impact your reputation. So you want to look at what your reputation is. There are things that I have stood up for and that I will continue to stand up for that may negatively impact my reputation, but it's worth it to me. But you have to be conscious about that. I think you also want to look at the logistical impacts. If something big is coming down, not only do you potentially have a resume stain, you may get laid off versus being able to move from one job to the next. Or you could get fired based on, you know, not everybody's cool. And sometimes there's retaliatory stuff that it's illegal and you could go into a whole lawsuit about. But I think it's that piece of logistically is your job safe? Do you need to take action to find a new job? Do you need to find a new agency? Do you need to find a new school to go to? Like you want to make sure that you're thinking about what is my exit plan? Exactly. Like what, how do I decide, do I need to leave and how do I do that? Cause I think too often people do get frozen and they stay in situations too long expecting that there's going to be some resolution that comes from outside. And that's not, not usually the case. In fact, Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Sometimes being able to determine what the drama really is, is recognizing that you probably don't have all of the information. Yes. And I've been involved in organizations before at management levels or kind of directorial levels where there's information that happens at administration level that might not be a popular choice when it comes out to mm -hmm. how it impacts the, the direction of the organization. And the information or the, the feedback that I've received in those kinds of situations, stuff that I might be bound by confidentiality or employee agreements that really I'm not able to provide any more information on. And so it, it might be something that looks really unpopular in one direction, but you don't get all of the puzzle pieces unless you're somebody who's making some of that decision process happen. Yeah. And I think that's especially true in, in people who get fired. And 
in most, I don't know what the employment law is across the state or across the world, but in most situations, if someone's fired, it, that's not, it's usually figured out, but it's not really disclosed. Like this person got fired and this is why they got fired. In some places that is hugely illegal to disclose. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody is suddenly gone, and there's not a lot of explanation. People could be like, oh my gosh, what happened? Why did they leave? And this is, so, and, and I get that. We don't have the termination process. We don't have our closure. We have different opinions on it. Like there's so many pieces, but there's a lot behind the scenes that just cannot be disclosed. And that's frustrating from both sides. It's really frustrating for employees not to know what's going on. And it's really frustrating as a manager to know like this person was four months behind on their paperwork and they were doing really shady stuff with their clients. I know they were friendly and you all liked this person, but we had to fire this person. You can't say that. (laughs) And so being able to, to navigate that from both sides is really important. And I think if you move into, to leadership management types roles, hopefully you're given support on the boundaries that you have to set. The confidentiality sometimes feels very similar to the confidentiality that you would have with a therapy client, except that you can claim them. This is my employee. But oftentimes the stuff that they discuss and the work product and all that kind of stuff, performance, hiring dates, you know, all that stuff. There's just a lot of stuff or firing dates, actually. A lot of that stuff, it's just, we can't share. So as an employee or as a member of a team that doesn't know all that information, it can feel very upsetting. And you can want to stand up and say, hey, I'm going to defend this person and I'm going to do that. But you may not know what's going on behind the scenes. And so you really want to be very cautious in, in kind of standing up when that happens because it can negatively impact your reputation and it also can negatively impact your, you know, kind of how you, your continued employment is with that organization because then it seems like you're kind of a troublemaker. You don't get it. You know, certainly your ability to move into management when you're defending somebody who got fired is probably diminished. This you know, could be potentially even more alarming when you know enough of the story, but again, Mm -hmm. that you don't know everything. So you're responding out of emotions. And what you really want to be cautious about is putting the people making hiring and firing decisions in a situation where you're in a lose-lose situation, depending on the direction that they go, because Mm -hmm. managers aren't necessarily going to want to feel like they've been cornered by a subordinate and into making a decision. Mm-hmm. And if you've publicly spoken out against them or, you know, however publicly that might be to staff, to clients, yeah, it might be something where whatever decision that they're making affects you in a way that it's not going to be a work environment that's nurturing to you going forward. Well, and I mean, in some situations, you can lose your job. So I think it's you. That's why I keep saying you really want to choose your battles because you may not have all the information. It may not be something that's hugely important to you. You may have personal feelings about a person that was fired or a person that was, you know, demoted or, you know, whatever it is. You may have feelings about that. But I think it's important to recognize that support can happen in the background. It doesn't need to be public. You can privately support that person. You can stand up when you think it's important to stand up. You can certainly add evidence if there's an investigation and there's, you know, something that you feel like you have to contribute. But you, at all points, and this is hard for therapists, at all points, you have to protect your own reputation and your own employability. And so making sure that when you stand up, it's important enough to 
potentially lose your job over or potentially lose your reputation or your opportunities for advancement over. You have to make that decision consciously. And I'm speaking from a place where I was told by uh, a management consultant, as well as, you know, some of my supervisors that I was a canary in the mine or a lightning rod or... (laughs) You know, like I was always the person that was standing up and saying stuff, but there are times that you just have to really pay attention to, is this the reputation I want to set for myself? And the the answer may be yes. And that employability piece comes with what else you fill your resume out with, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you have sterling agency or not so sterling agency is the only place on your resume and you've put yourself in a position for somebody else now you're getting fired or whatever else that if you don't have kind of that resume rounded outness that we we suggest in pretty much all of our other episodes then <laughs> you might not be the most employable person going forward and depending on the community that you're in the the references might not be there for you yeah. the broadness of experience might not be there for you so having something else to kind of round out what your skills or what your involvement is would be incredibly beneficial. And that's work that you have to put in quite a bit before you're ever in one of these drama situations. And I think in addition to making sure that your resume is rounded, is a well-rounded resume, I think you want to make sure that you understand how you talk about things, whether it's in an interview or getting additional experience or even with colleagues and, and members of the community. Because I've had people come into interviews where they've been at one of these agencies where the supervision is bad or somebody got fired or something happened and how they talked about it was more like a therapy session versus someone who could really speak about it in a very professional way. And I think just a reminder, and I talk about this, I'm sure in our interview um, episode, but I think recognize that the person who is interviewing you, the people who you're around could be people that make decisions on employment and they may not know if you're the difficult employee or it was a difficult supervisor or the agency was really bad or you just couldn't do the job. And so being able to talk very professionally about what happened and, and be able to talk about, well, you know, management shifted and, you know, the direction of the agency no longer aligned with my goals or no longer aligned with my values. That's fine. Well, the old boss got... fired and then they brought somebody in and that person was just way too corporate and I didn't like it. And okay, you're potentially, you know, talking trash, which isn't, isn't attractive. And also if you're, if you're really sharing a lot of information, there may be issues around boundaries that, that that person might become worried about. And so, you know, as a therapist, we have to keep good boundaries. We have to have strong confidentiality. And if you're sharing a lot of inside information or or not really showing good boundaries that can also impact you in an individual interview. So process with the people you need to process with. Make sure that you you've you've sorted through that, but if you're moving on from an agency that had some of this drama, don't vent at a job interview. Don't vent with potential colleagues that you're going to be referral partners with. You know, depending on the relationship, just be very cautious with how you talk about it. Keep it off the clock, keep it in your circle of friends, your support network. Yes. As, as you were talking about that, I'm reminded of, I, I grew up in a, in a mining town and several open pit mines throughout the early 20th century. And 
this is a story that was passed down even after the mines were closed, but the agreement in that community when you got into an argument with your boss was you'd quit and you'd go apply for a different mining company and you would just say, the pit was deep enough. And... (laughs) (laughs) Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. All right. Well, I mean, I think the, the therapist term or any kind of employment term is it was no longer a fit. So the pit was deep enough. It was no longer a fat. I think that, I think there's ways to say, Hey, this wasn't exactly right. And still manage to look professional. (laughs) So we're, we're talking about drama that is kind of like life changing, right? Like I need to get out of my program. I need to get out of my agency, that kind of stuff. But I think there's drama that doesn't require that type of response. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I think when we look at, somebody getting fired or a supervisor moving on or that kind of stuff that requires an assessment. Is this going to impact me? Because you may not need to do anything. There's drama, there's emotion. You may want to process it with your therapist or your work friends or whatever. But I think there are times when drama feels huge and it really is nothing. And so I, did you, did you experience that in your agency experience, Kurt? Cause I experienced it a lot, but I don't want to keep lathering on about stuff. <laughs> I will admit that at the time in my life when the agency drama was happening, I had a hard time staying out of it. Ah, not surprising, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And part of it was, you know, and there's always kind of this, you know, trying to advance, you know, if you're one of the people who is trying to advance in a company, then you're going to be involved in conversations that might affect you, might involve you, might not. And there was a couple of times where I found that my opinion was not being implemented. (laughs) (laughs) And it really did create a situation where I had to work on an exit plan. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into too many details to (laughs) protect people. The, the, Direction of the agency was no longer matching the. Yes, it was no longer a fit for you. Yes. (laughs) So I, I, as I mentioned before, you know, I definitely was somebody who had lots of ideas and put them out there, and sometimes they were implemented, and sometimes they were not. But I think the other piece about this drama that may not deal with you, because sometimes you see something that's wrong and you want to fix it, and and certainly you and I both work for ourselves for a reason. I have the best boss these days. very good boss. I keep overworking myself. So I need to work on that. But oftentimes, like I've seen it where there was, you know, supervisors who would leave, so they would quit or get fired and that kind of stuff. And so there was logistical things of like, okay, who's my new supervisor going to be, you know, or on my angle, like, who am I going to assign these, these, you know, supervisees to that kind of stuff. So there's logistical stuff that happens that can feel really unsettling. You don't necessarily get termination with the supervisor, or even if you do, depending on what, how well the terms of their leaving, you know, it might not be positive. You may feel the kind of the weight of them leaving 
And so, so there's emotional aspects, there's logistical aspects, and then it's determining, is it going to still be a fit for you? And so I know for myself, you know, I was in agency work all the way through my hours. And so I had a lot of supervisor changes. And so it was like, okay, can I, can I live with this? Do I need to advocate for myself to get a different supervisor? Is there, does this suggest something about the, the environment? And all, regardless of who leaves, you know, and has the whole like party and I'm ready to move on, every person evaluates whether or not they should leave. And so that's very typical. I want to normalize that. But you really want to actually go all the way through and not say like, oh, well, they left. I have to leave. Because <laughs> I felt like sometimes it was just like dominoes were falling at certain points. And so I think you want to assess logistically, what does this mean for me? What do I have control over? Can I make sure that I have all of my hours supervised all the way through? Can I make sure that I have guidance? Can I make sure that I get this paper signed? You know, whatever it is. You want to make sure that you think logistically but then I think it's trying to stay out of the drama as much as possible, process what you need to process, but staying out of the drama because it does change and it shifts and it goes, it goes back to kind of a neutral typically, unless the environment's toxic and then it's this constant turnover. But, but I think those things are important as well. One situation that I've been thinking of while you're talking is this doesn't always necessarily have to be in the negative end either. This might be mm-hmm. something where, uh, if a program director or a you know, key person ends up dying, then... That's not negative? <laughs> it's not the toxic negativity. Got it. Not the toxic it, negativity. But these are kinds of things that, you know, where, where there's a hole left, where mm-hmm. it might really involve, you know, a complete shift in somebody coming in who has to learn with no predecessor available for how systems operate that yeah. really for a, a learning curve and a growing pain might be something where there, it does lead to some of this toxic stuff that's coming up. We, we've been talking about the rest of this episode, but in dealing with kind of a major change that's unplanned or something where a person who passes away has the reputation kind of staked to them. Mm. Oh, like somebody that's like they started the the agency or something, or it's their name, or it's their vision. Right, right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's that. I think there's also promotions, and and that usually is more planned. But sometimes there's kind of this domino effect where all of a sudden your supervisor's been promoted, and and you know that kind of stuff, or somebody retires, you know that kind of thing. There can be a lot that happens, and I think I think that, that yeah, I think the same the same decision making applies. You know, how does this, how does this impact me? How do I support the process? How do I protect myself while also supporting my, my peers and and the agency as a whole? I think that can be really important, but yeah, I think that the reputation building person either passing away or retiring, I think you have, I mean, hopefully there's some sort of legacy planning that's happened, but if that doesn't happen, then you can look at, is this something where it's going to remain viable? So I feel like I sound like I'm so selfish because I'm like, take care of yourself. Keep focusing on what it's going to take care of you. But I feel like therapists need to hear that because so often we sacrifice ourselves for, for our, the mission, for the people we serve, for all that stuff. And so it's like, I have to, I want to remind therapists, take care of yourself. <laughs> well, and that might be one of the red flags that you're picking up on that drama is happening around you is if the advice that you're giving is, you know, just make sure that the clients are taken care of. 
then there might be stuff that's going on that you need to start cleaning off that resume. Mm -hmm. So yeah, look out for yourselves that this is something where you're the one who has to take care of you going forward. And as, as friendly as therapists can be, they can also be caught up in a corporate structure. They can be caught up in some decision-making where all of the information doesn't get to be publicly available. And there can also be competition. There can be a lot of stuff where your peers who are great friends can not always remain so. To clarify that, when I think, when I say that your friends may not always remain so, if you get promoted, if they get promoted, like the relationships shift. And so I think you always want to have the team building approach if you're in a, a larger group, you know, or, or agency, but you want to make sure that you're recognizing that sometimes people are your friends because they're at work with you. <laughs> and, and if you leave or they leave, some will stay in touch and some won't. And so too often I find people have sacrificed for someone who never calls them once they've moved on to another agency. And I think that's the part where it's like, Really assess, is this, a, is this a long-standing relationship? Is this a short-term relationship? What is worth it? So we'd love to hear your stories, if you have them, uh, about kind of navigating some of these situations if it has affected you. So come up, join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, and continue this conversation. It helps us to build more content and have more things that we can help people as they approach us for consultations. So... Come join us in the Facebook group. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.